Welcome to My Property NYC. This is the podcast where we'll talk about the history and the future of the New York City real estate market. My name is Anna Zahova and I'll be your host. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in for this episode of My Property NYC. I had the opportunity to speak with Mark Supkov, who is among the most experienced real estate and construction attorneys in town. We will talk about some very interesting insights about the board minutes and the fine print. So welcome, Mark. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you for having me. Well, can you tell us where are we right now? Sure. We're at 457th Avenue, my law office. All right, great. Um, How long have you been practicing real estate law and what's your specialty? I've been specializing in construction law and real estate since 1998. Okay, great. And what made you choose um, practicing real estate law in particular? That year, I joined a law firm that happened to focus on construction law, development, and commercial litigation. I started representing construction managers, developers, architects, and engineers, and I found it really fascinating to learn how a building gets designed and constructed. And then sometimes we'd even have to deconstruct it to resolve a construction defect or design claim. Okay, great. And this, this, so you mentioned construction wall and you mentioned real estate. Um, does representing buyers and sellers at closings often overlap with consulting them on construction matters? Can you give me an example? Yes, sometimes it does. I've been fortunate to represent clients at all stages of the real estate acquisition and development process. For example, some years ago, I helped a couple purchase vacant land in New Jersey It was once farmland, and they then took out a construction loan, which I helped them close to build their dream house. I also have represented a condo owner in Manhattan. He got into some trouble uh, with his building after he built a putting green up on the roof to improve his golf swing. Later, he hired me to close on the sale of the duplex apartment he owned, which happened to include a working two-story slide. Okay, great. Well, today we will mostly talk about the real estate purchase process in New York City. So, Mark, what's most important to you when representing a buyer? I want my buyer clients to be well-informed about what they're purchasing. I want them to be organized, and I hope that they're motivated so that we can get to the closing table. Okay, that's right. If a real estate agent did his or her homework, they would have informed the client that the, of the rules and policies in the building. That way, there are much less surprises and the process is very smooth. So is there something that a great agent should always make sure that the client is aware of? That's a really great question. With first-time home buyers, the sale agent should inform the buyers about What are the responsibilities and expenses generally associated with home ownership? Not just focus on the real estate taxes and the monthly maintenance, but also the the ongoing costs of maintaining and repairing a home. And that could be whether it's out of pocket if you own a house or through assessments if you own a condo or a co-op. With experienced or multiple property owners, the real estate broker should discuss with the client 
what they intend to use the property for to make sure that use is suitable to the co-op or the condo. So for instance, are they going to try to sublet the apartment and do the bylaws permit that? Are they going to use the apartment as a primary residence or as a uh, vacation home? What are the three reasons why someone who is looking to purchase in New York City needs an attorney? So as a real estate attorney in New York City, our whole goal and, and purpose is to protect our client in the transaction. Everyone knows that purchase transactions in New York are expensive. In fact, the prices continue to go up. And so we will review and revise the contract to make sure that it is bulletproof and that exactly what you're bargaining for you're going to get and that all-important deposit, that's 10% Anna, that money is going to be protected if the deal doesn't go through. Most sales in, in, in New York are condos and co-ops. These are totally different animals than purchasing a house. There are boards that meet and minutes to review and financial statements for the operation of the building. Only a real estate attorney will provide that kind of comprehensive review of those documents. And then, of course, with the transfer of real property, there are title issues. And we'll proceed and purchase for the buyer the title report and then ultimately the title policy to make sure that it is free and clear of any encumbrances. Well, I'm certainly glad that none of my clients have ever objected to hiring an attorney. Can you share what should clients watch out for when interviewing a real estate attorney? Well, that's another great question. I get calls fairly frequently from potential clients, some of whom I convert almost immediately and represent them, others who take time and I assume are speaking with other attorneys and, and then others that I don't even hear back from. So what I try to do is focus on the things that are really important from my perspective in an attorney-client relationship. Returning calls, paying attention and being a good listener, and providing clear and transparent counsel. If a lawyer doesn't return a call, even an inquiry about representation, or expresses concern about his or her time and availability, those are obvious red flags and the client should then move on and find someone else who's better suited for the representation. Okay, great. And since you're mentioning that, have you ever taken a case in which a client has fired his or her previous attorney and hired you to represent them instead? Yes, I have to be honest and, and, and acknowledge that not all attorney-client relationships go smoothly. When that happens, it's really important for me to find out what was going on? What was the reason why the client is coming to me and looking to make a change? I want to make sure that I can provide a different service or a different level of service than what that client was unhappy with previously. And so if it's just a personality conflict between the old relationship, that's one thing. It could be that the representation involves a new issue, such as a detailed construction law issue, that I'm better suited for. And so 
we make the transition that way. But we never want to uh, put down the old attorney. So when I have to uh, contact the old attorney, because I have to work with many of these people, I see them in court, uh, we understand that it's just a business transaction and a professional arrangement, and we make the best out of the situation. Okay, great. Let's now go over some basics for anyone who would be a first-time home buyer in New York City. The buyer hired an agent who showed them multiple homes. They ideally found the home that fits the purchaser's needs, submitted an offer, and after some negotiation, they received an accepted offer. That's a great moment. However, we are only in the beginning of this process. While we have an accepted offer, we are not in contract yet. Therefore, no party is legally bound in any way. The very next step is that the agent prepares what we call the deal sheet. It includes the basic information for the buyer's attorney to start attorney review and for the seller's attorney to draft the contract of sale. So, Mark, tell us what does an attorney review entail? Sure. And Anna, you know, just from listening to that description, which is 100% correct, you would think that maybe now the parties are ready to get to the closing table. But in fact, there really is no deal in place. There's no meeting of the minds. There's no written agreement. And so everything is subject to this due diligence process. And by that, I mean that the attorney will spend the time necessary to review the financial statements for a co-op in a condo and uh, meeting minutes for a condo or a co-op, describing what the board decisions have been and any improvements that have made. And more so in the case of of a house than with a condo or a co-op, there may be an inspection that will take place before in New York the contract of sale is, is signed. Okay, great. And you mentioned the board minutes. Do you receive those by email or do you have to attend a board meeting to get those? So most board meeting minutes are maintained by managing agents. And unfortunately, the managing agents still, for the most part, keep the the minutes the old-fashioned way in a big three-ring binder. So we end up having to go to the managing agent to review the the minutes. I wish, Anna, that it was just an electronic file. That would make my work so much easier. That's right. And can you tell me what's critical about the minutes? What do you pay most attention to? Well, when I'm looking at the minutes, a lot of times I can tell from the beginning whether this is an organized building or not. I remember the last one I did not that long ago, the minutes were perfectly uh, organized by date, by year, and it was a breeze. Now, there was a lot of them, and I had to figure out what I was going to take notes on, Uh, because, by the way, they won't let you copy or photograph anything. And so I'll focus on the important stuff, establishing that the board is duly comprised and meets on a regular basis and does stuff when they meet, makes decisions. Then I'll look to see if there's assessments. And if there are assessments coming down the pike, what they're for and if the work is substantial associated with an assessment. Did a new roof go up? 
Is a new boiler being put in? These are the things that I find my clients really want me to tell them. Okay, that sounds great. And since we're going over attorney review, I want to address something specific here. The New York City Department of Buildings maintains a public database with information on complaints that have been submitted by tenants and owners. So how important is that information to a new buyer? Well, that's a great point, Anna. The New York City DOB building information system is a public internet-based resource. And, you know, not only can you get any complaints that were filed or violations that were issued by the buildings department, but you can access all of the jobs, all of the construction jobs in the property. And so you can learn what was done and when it was done. And it's a treasure trove, Anna. Great. And let's get over the financials now. Typically, you request financials for how many years back? Well, we like to get them for as many years as are available. Honestly, though, you're lucky if you get two or three years. What are some red flags that come up when you review them? When you review those financial statements, it's a little like trying to pick a needle out of a haystack. And I'll tell you why. Most of it is very, very dense numbers, financial numbers, balance sheets. And, of course, you want to make sure that the building has the ability to meet its expenses, that it's taking in enough revenue to cover its expenses. But I'll tell you something. What I've found over the years, uh, an accountant can, 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 can schmooze that and make it, make it look like it's all balanced. Uh, but what you really want to look at is the fine print, the footnotes, either at the bottom of each page or at the end. That's where the accountants have to describe in detail what's going on in the building. Is there a lawsuit? Is there a major assessment? Is there financing that's being repaid to cover the assessment? So that's where I tend to spend a fair amount of time after I established that the building can pay its bills. All right, so you mentioned the fine print and all the issues that can be found in there. How often do you find such cases when you review them? All the time. There's no building that isn't without major improvements, assessments, all kinds of financing and loans that are in various stages of repayment, occasionally litigation against the board. These are the things that come up, and what my job is is to understand it and to explain it and to counsel the client so that they can make a smart decision. Okay. So now attorney review has been completed. The real estate agent has prepared the board package and submitted it. And the client has been called for an interview. Typically, I'll go over best practices for board interviews with my clients. But what is the best practice to prepare for a board interview, in your opinion? Well, that's a tough question for me because I'm the attorney. I'm not the, the real estate agent. And so I really do count on the agent to do the, the great work of putting the board package together and, and presenting, in fact, selling the client to the building. Mm -hmm. uh, if that's done properly, then 
honestly, the interview process should be pro forma. As long as the clients are enthusiastic about living in the building and no red flags are raised during the interview process, I think it's, it's, it's a pretty clear indication if you get that interview that you're likely to get approved. And to get that interview, you have to have a really, really smart board package which your agent, like you, Anna, puts together. Right. The board package really needs to be put together in a way that when the board opens it up, they have no questions. And here's something which I get asked very often. Should a buyer ask questions during their board interview? What do you think, Anna? Well, I answer this question usually to my clients very cautiously, and I try to find out what kind of questions they might have. So if it's some question that I could actually answer for them and I can find out the answer of and get that information for them, because we want them to be as much informed about the board and the building as possible. What is your advice? That makes perfect sense. I wouldn't ask a question just for the sake of asking a question. On the other hand, if there was something that after the client met with with you, Anna, and they still had some concern about, that would be a perfectly appropriate time. The other thing is sometimes you'll get a feel, a sense from a board member. They might ask you, do you have any questions? What can, more can we tell you? I think then it's p- perfectly appropriate to show some interest. And, and if you have, ask a question. I can't agree more. And if the applicant is looking to do a complete gut renovation on the property they intend to purchase, should they disclose that intention? Yes, that is something that should be disclosed to the board, and I'll tell you why. Uh, There's two reasons. One, the board may or may not like your proposed renovation. Perfect example, the wet over dry uh, renovation, where a buyer wants to come in and, let's say, put a new bathroom in, but it's not over an existing bathroom. It's going to be over a bedroom or a living room. Some buildings are very, very particular, and they will refuse a wet-over-dry renovation. Well, you should know that up front if that's what you're going to do, if you're going to start rearranging rooms and adding bathrooms. So by asking the, the board that, you'll get a sense whether, whether this would make sense. And then secondly, if you disclose the renovation that you plan to do, it may help you to expedite the alteration process, right? So they may allow you during the course of contract closing to start completing the alteration agreement, maybe even submitting it. Of course, they're not going to look at it until you're actually approved and purchased the apartment, but you can get all of your building ducks in order. That's right. And since condos allow immediate subletting, more questions arise on the subject around co-op subletting. So let's go over a scenario here. A client is purchasing in a strict cooperative. They intend to be the only owner, but a family member visits often for, like, let's say, an extended period of time. Should such information be disclosed anywhere on the application during the interview? What's your advice, Mark? 
Sure, absolutely not. You don't want to create any unnecessary red flags. And having a guest stay at your, uh, your home, including a family member, is perfectly legal. How about for an extended period of time? Well, what's an extended period of time, right? So I wouldn't volunteer as long as you're planning to be in that unit while the guest is there. In fact, that's allowed for in your, in corp- in your bylaws and your condo declaration documents. Okay, excellent. And here is one question about condos. Can you explain to us what does the right of first refusal mean? Right. So that doctrine, the right of first uh, refusal, which is incorporated in the New York law and also in the building documents, is actually quite limited. What it means, Anna, is simply this. After a condo contract of sale is submitted to the board, the board has a legal right to deny that purchase application, but, and this is a big but, only if the building buys the unit instead. Now, other than that, the board in a condo has really no legal authority to reject an applicant. And the problem with the right of first refusal is that if a board were to exercise that, they would basically become in the real estate business having to purchase units, and then presumably market them for resale. Most buildings don't want to get involved in that. Okay, fantastic. Well, Mark, thank you for joining me today. I look forward to our very next episode in which we are going to focus on selling in New York City. Thank you, Anna. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview with one of the best real estate and construction attorneys in New York City, Mark Subkov. If you wanted to reach out to him, please call his office directly or email him at info at designandbuildwall.com. And I will include his contact information in our show notes. I hope you join us for our very next interview with him in which we will discuss what it takes to successfully close on a sale of a property in New York City. Thank you for listening to this episode of My Property NYC. Please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to our channel.